going to uh, begin with the missions moment, and this one may sound interesting, uh, but our, our sermon today is going to be part of a two-part, maybe three-part, we'll see, um, series, not series, but, you know, within our, our unity, on, on unity between the parents and the children. And alongside that, I was just thinking, as I've been studying and reading God's Word and reading books about God's Word, um, I've come to realize more and more how, how, how we may not understand the Great Commission and how it is to be fulfilled, okay? So, so just bear with me for a moment. But I'm going to tell you this. The Great Commission, the Great Commission, the thing that we are, are saved for and, and, and to fulfill, that's our, our, our mission in life, the Great Commission will not be fulfilled if parents are not raising godly children. I mean, you do some simple logic there, and it only makes sense that if we're not raising godly children, if we're not uh, doing our best under God to, to, to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, then that great commission is never going to be fulfilled. And also in my studies, it has uh, come to my attention that much more that, that most parents um, in this day and age, we're, we're kind of a product of our culture and even of the Christian culture right now, uh, that most parents do not understand or, or, or they're not equipped to raise up their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, to, to, to discipline them and train them up. And <clears throat> it's, it's hard because, you know, we, we have all these competing uh, responsibilities in our lives as, as parents you know, we, we feel like, okay, I need to, to make sure my, my kid makes it through school. Of course, it's part of your responsibility. Just make sure you make it to school, right? And that can be challenging enough. But, you know, make it through school. They need to, you know, maybe excel at sports or, or music or these other things. And, you know, um, we, we focus on all these other areas of making sure our children succeed, often to the, the neglect of our children's souls, their greatest need uh, being their relationship with God. And part of uh, the reason that, that you know, that we, we've fallen to that is um, even in many ways the Christian culture right now says, hey, we'll take care of it. We're the church. You, you just drop off your kid and we'll, we'll raise up your child, you know, at, at church in the morning for a couple hours. We'll, we'll, we'll teach your kid about, about spiritual things. Um, maybe on Wednesday, give, give us your kid for a couple hours, and, and we'll raise up your child in the nurture and admission of the Lord. And then you have the rest of the hours of the week, right? So that's four hours in a week that the children are being raised in that. You know, maybe the perfunctory uh, prayer before a meal, maybe that's another time God is brought up. But the rest of the time, they're being fed by culture, by their friends, by, by uh, you know, just wh whatever influences uh, may come their way. And, and so you, you can imagine how, why we're dropping the ball. I mean, again, if, if you look at any Barna research or, or Gallup research or anything like that, they will tell you that Christians by and large are not producing more Christians. Uh, that, that is, even their children are, are uh, to, for the mass, vast majority, are walking away from the faith once they come of age. And they say, ah, my parents did that, but it's not for me. Well, the problem is um, that the church wasn't meant to raise the children in the Lord. The parents were. And so none of that was to lambast parents 
but it is my responsibility, this church's responsibility, to equip you, the saints, for the work of ministry. A large part of that work of ministry is raising your children in the Lord. And so I'm planning, um, this one's more just introductory, and even just to plant this seed in your heart. Uh, I'm planning over, over the next few months or whatever, we will occasionally do a missions moment where— um, myself or, or one of the, the other men here will, will help you to know how you can train up your children. We're talking practical biblical tips because, you know, it's easy for me to say, raise up your children in the Lord. It's like, well, what does that even mean? You know, what does that look like uh, throughout the week when you have everything else, work and school and sports going on? And so we'll, we'll give you practical tips on things like family worship, what does it look like to, to, to worship as a family? Reading the Bible, praying together, and even singing together as a family. Should that be hard for a father to lead? Um, it, it really shouldn't, and I, I will give practical tips for that. I think of training your children up in the spiritual disciplines, right? The, reading their Bible, praying, fasting, uh, giving, uh, tithes and offerings. You know, um, there are all these things that we need to instill, these patterns— I think of daily training our children uh, just in the, the normal mundane moments, in the drives to and from uh, uh, the sports event, or, or you know, drive to church even, or on the way home from church, or during dinner. What does it look like to raise up our children uh, in, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? And then another thing would be even integrating our kids uh, into the, the corporate church. Um, they're, if they're saved— uh, then, then, you know, they're part of the, the <laughs> capital C church. Uh, but what does it look like for them to find church to be their own, to, to worship alongside their parents, to learn alongside their parents? What does that look like practically from what we see in God's word? Is it the model that we see right now, that they grow up um, apart from their parents in the church, and then, you know, one day they're just supposed to all of a sudden be a part of the, the main worship service? So, so we'll, we'll look at things like that. And, but again, I, I want to, um, even now, just, just encourage you parents. I'm one of them. You know, uh, <laughs> all of this parents and children thing is, is new for me. And so all I have is God's word uh, to go by. But I'll tell you, it's enough to convict you um, that, that we need to be doing more as parents. We need to be uh, focused more, be more intentional, intentional about raising up our children in the Lord. And so don't even wait for me uh, or, or other guys to, to, to train you on these things in the upcoming missions moments. Go ahead and give it a try. Go ahead and give it a try. It's one of the beauties of, of God's Word that you don't have to be a rocket scientist. You don't have to be an engineer. You don't have to be anything like that. You just pick up God's Word, read it to your kids, and, and talk about it. You know, it, it's that simple. Um, and so go ahead and, and I pray God would impress that upon your heart. Again, next week's sermon will be more geared toward parents. Uh, this week's will be about children, but— um, we're, we're going we're gonna to do this because the Great Commission, the thing that we are charged with doing as a church, will not be fulfilled if we are not raising up godly children. So would you join me in prayer now before we get into the service that, that God would help us to see our responsibility and help us to take it seriously. Father God, we, we as parents, the parents in this room, confess to you our insufficiency. And God, we even confess to you our sin 
we may even know that we're supposed to be intentionally, regularly, continually training up our children in the Lord. But we, we often neglect it, God. So we want to confess that to you, Lord. We do not want to be like the statistics that say most children will, will go away, a, a large percentage will go away from the faith once they grow up. God, we want to be a church that takes part in fulfilling the great commission that all nations would know you, that all people groups would have representatives of you in them, God. We want to be a part of that, and we recognize that that will not happen if we do not take seriously the responsibility you've given us as parents, God. So even today, Lord, let us see that we are the main teachers in our households, that we are the main spiritual influences in our households, Lord, and let us do something about it. Let us look to you, your word, and trust that you will work in the hearts of our children. I pray all this in your son's name. Amen. All right. We are back in our series, Eager for Unity, as we continue to, to, to search the depths of God's word, especially this book of Ephesians, about what it is for God's people to be unified with one another. And last week, we looked at from Ephesians chapter 5, the, the, the last section of it, how, how husbands and wives is really the starting point of, of unity in all of our lives, in, in our church, in our small group, in our families, because if we can learn to get along, to, to, to not only get along, but to build up and be unified with our spouse, we have come a long way in our unity with uh, all the other believers around us. And so I would say our, our primary uh, unity would have to be between husband and wife. And so we looked at the foundations of marriage last week. You may remember we looked at that marriage was created by God and marriage was created for God's glory. And that was specifically in Christ and his unity and his relationship with the church being displayed as each spouse carries out the role God has given them with the husband as the, the, the sacrificial leader and the wife as the one who humbly follows the husband. And they should both be building up and serving one another. And we said that even that won't happen unless their marriage, their individual lives and their marriage, is mainly about God. Because we, we need the Spirit in us, filling us, in order to have this type of unity. And so this week, as we turn to chap, uh, chapter 6 of Ephesians, so if you have your Bibles, go to chapter 6 of Ephesians, please. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 4, and, and we're moving on from marriage, although we probably could have spent the rest of the year looking at marriage. Um, we're, we're moving forward into this next important relationship. I would say this is the second most important relationship. This is under our relationship with God, of course, uh, but that being between parents and children. And again, that same principle applies. That, that if, if we have this, the ability to have unity, this biblical unity with our children, then, then it's going to translate into biblical unity with those outside of our home as well. If you can get along and be biblically unified with your child, you've really come a long way. Child, if you can be biblically unified to your parent, you have come a long way 
in being unified with all other believers, but I will say the opposite is true. Disunity in the home will not stay in the home. It will come out everywhere else. And so that's why you see in the flow here, this is just in context. I have not jumped around in the Bible. I am following Ephesians that has been talking in depth about unity. And then Paul goes immediately into marriage, unity in the marriage. Then now Paul is going immediately into unity between parents and children. And so today, young people, I'm specifically going to be talking to you. I'm specifically going to to be speaking to you, giving you admonitions and encouragements, and uh, I'm doing that because that's what God's Word is doing. It will start by saying, children, obey your parents. And so I'm going to be speaking to you, and you need to understand this. You, You listening, young people? Just because you're young is no excuse. Uh, it's, it's no, I'm not under God card. Um, my wife and I were talking about this last night. She, she said um, she remembers, we were just discussing our, our growing up and all the stupid decisions we made. And she said uh, for her, one of the main things she had was, well, I can do these stupid things. I can commit these sins because, well, I'm young. That's what young people do. That was the lie that she had believed. Am I explaining that right? Yeah, okay. You know, the lie that she had believed is, well, I'm young. I'll I'll, I'll straighten up later. But, you know, I'll just have done these things while I'm young. It's not that big of a deal. Young people, you are 100% under God's authority. (laughs) You sin against him now, he doesn't look at you and say, well, they are young. He says, that human being has sinned against me. And so this is very important. It's very important today that you listen to God's word because he's going to be speaking directly to you. He's pointing, picking you out of all types of people and saying, children, do this. But parents, I'm talking to you now. This may be even more important for you to listen to what I'm going to say today because you, as we just talked about in the mission moment, you have the primary responsibility under God to train your children in these things. So I'm going to be telling your kids, here is what God uh, tells you to do, young people. And parents, what that means for you is, here is what I need to teach my kids and and, and continually repeat to my kids and, and display to my kids. And I even need to hold them accountable for when they go against these commands God has given them. So this may actually be more important for you uh, because whether or not we like it, we are accountable for whether or not we train up our children in the Lord. And, you know, I talked about it again in, in the missions moment. It is not, I repeat, it is not the primary responsibility of me, the pastor, It is not the primary responsibility of Awana or Sunday school or teachers at at schools. It is not the primary responsibility of any of those to train up your child. It is you. It is you. And so you're not accountable for every bad decision your child makes. Don't don't get me wrong. Uh, But you will be accountable for whether or not you you train them up. And so listen today, because these will be the standards. These will be the commands that your children, even even the, the good principles, that your children need to know. So young folks, please listen up, and parents, listen up as well. Well, Let's read the passage together. So Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Paul says, 
Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That is God's word. Let, let's pray and ask God to bless this, this time together. Father God, I believe we are at ground zero at some level when we think about discipleship, when we think about the Great Commission, and certainly when we think about unity. This relationship between parents and children, these, these children and young adults who will one day be filling our shoes, who will one day be parents, who will one day be leaders in the church, if they remain. And so God, I pray that today you would give the young people in this church the ability to listen to you and hear you clearly as you speak to them. And God, I pray today that you would give us parents the ability to, to, to discern what it is your word is saying, to discern and understand what it is we need to hold our children to so that we can understand our responsibility to our children, and ultimately to you, God. Do this, God. Unify our families. And as you unify our families, unify our small groups, unify our church, unify friendships between believers, unify uh, believers that are currently enemies. God, do this through the family, because we know that it will bleed out into all other areas of our life by your grace. I pray this in your son's name. Amen. So, again, young people, I don't want to call you kids. I didn't like being called a kid. Um, but I'm talking young people, uh, you know, so you're under your parents. You understand yourself to be, uh, you know, under their, their, their household. That's who I'm talking to, you know, zero to... I don't even want to use the standard of 18. That's just what our government uses. Then you're, you know, you can now be tried as an adult in court. Uh, being 18 doesn't always make you an adult, and uh, too many of us have proved that. Um, so I I'm talking to you today as someone who is not that far removed from childhood. Uh, you know, that's kind of embarrassing to say. I I'm 31 years old. Yes, I am now married. I now have my own child. I have another one on the way, so I'm also a parent. Uh, but it's, it's really still fresh in my mind, honestly. I, I look back to my childhood, and it's all still fresh in my mind. Things like, I remember how much I hated the rules my parents gave me. I don't like bedtimes. I don't like being told what to do, what not to do. I remember uh, even more than that, and I probably remember it even more clearly, I hated the discipline my parents gave me when I broke those rules, when I went against those standards. I, I, I remember those things very well. I really do. I remember the frustration of it, being confused at why they would, would do this to me. I, I thought they were trying to rob me of, of happiness in every way they could think of, you know. But here's another thing. I also remember the day... That, that, it, that it dawned on me, oh no, they were right. <laughs> I remember hating their rules, I remember hating their discipline, but I remember the day that I said, oh wow, 
They, they were right all along. My parents weren't perfect, you know. Uh, no, no one is. No, no set of parents is. Um, but I, I look back and I, I now see, man, their rules really made sense. As they were trying to give my life order, as they were trying to give my life purpose, the ways that they disciplined me, you know, inflicted uh, pain on me when I went out of line, I, I see, man, that, that, that helped me get back in line. I'm so thankful for it. But I'll be honest with you, I, I, may, I had this realization way too late. I made a lot of stupid mistakes that my parents very clearly were steering me away from. I didn't believe uh, the things that we're going to look at today. And so that's why this is so important, because I can promise you, I can promise you there will come a day when you realize that your parents were right. Insofar as they were leading you uh, biblically, they were right, and you should have listened to them. You will realize that. I hope some of you realize that today, that, that you, you get in line um, with what God has for you and, and get in line with your parents. But sadly, I'm aware that, that some of you won't realize this until you have made some terrible mistakes. Uh, that's, again, that's what I did. Terrible mistakes that, that carry on consequences. Some of you, it'll, it'll look like uh, a shocking time, you know, uh, when, when just something bad falls out in your life. Others of you, you'll realize this when you're sitting in a jail cell or sitting at a funeral uh, where your best friend passes away because you all are being stupid together. I mean, th th this is real stuff. You will, in that moment, say, I should have just listened to my parents. I should have just listened to what God's word was telling me. And some of you, even more sadly, I, I, I shudder to think of it, some of you will realize this only standing before the judgment seat of Christ, and you will say, I should have listened. I should have listened to my parents insofar as they were leading me to Christ and, and raising me in him. I should have listened to them, and it will be too late at that point. And so the question is not whether or not you will realize you should have listened to your parents, you should have listened to God's word. The question is when. And how bad will the consequences be for how long you waited uh, to submit to God's word? So my prayer is that, that many of you today will forego a lot of pain, a lot of heartache, a lot of consequences by listening to God's word today and what he has for you. So what is it that will make the difference? What is it that will make all, all the difference in the world that really can set your life on the right trajectory? I've got two principles, young people, that I want you to understand and parents that I want you to be able to teach your children. Two principles that will make all the difference in the world. Number one, you're welcome to write these in your notes. Number one, to obey and honor your parents is to obey and honor God. Plain and simple. To obey and honor your parents is to obey and honor God. Now what I'm not saying is that your parents are God. Some of them may think they are. I don't know. Uh, you know, <laughs> we all do at times. I, I get that. So I'm not saying your parents are God. I'm saying by obeying your parents, by honoring your parents, you are also obeying and honoring God. We see this there in, in verse 1, in the first half of verse 2, there in Ephesians chapter 6. Look at that again with me. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right honor your father and mother. So we have there basically two commands, right? Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. And then the second one, honor your father and mother. 
obey and honor. And so we'll look at those commands here in a moment. Uh, you know, it really does simplify things, by the way, if you realize my two responsibilities under God are to obey and honor my parents. It keeps it simple. But what I want to point out to you is what's going on here is what Paul is showing here is that he's not only giving commands uh, to obey the parents and commands to honor the parents. He is making a connection for us that to obey and honor your parents is to obey and honor God. I'll show you this twice in these two verses, okay? Look at verse 1 with me again. Children, obey your parents, and then zoom in, focus hard. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Not just children, obey your parents. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. God is is the focus of this command for children to obey their parents. We see this pattern in uh, several places in Ephesians. If you look at uh, Ephesians 5, look back at Ephesians 5 verse 21 real quick. It's just before the wives and husbands section. Paul says that all believers are to be submitting to one another. Why? Out of reverence for Christ. So you see this, this God-word reason that all believers submit to one another. Uh, in the very next verse, you see wives submit to your own husbands. How? As to the Lord. God is the focus of that submission. And then even if you turn past the passage we're looking at today uh, in chapter 6, let me see here, chapter 6, verse 5, it says, bond servants. Obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. So in all these relationships, we see that it's not just this outward action that's important. It's this connection that by, by submitting to one another, we're doing it out of reverence for Christ. By wives submitting to their husbands, they're doing it as to the Lord. By, by bond servants obeying their earthly masters, they're doing it as they would to Christ. And so children, today we see, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. God is the one in view here. That by obeying your parents, you're doing it in the Lord. You're doing it uh, under his authority, through his power. It, it is still about God here. And it, so obeying your parents is obeying God. But we actually see the second evidence there in verse 2. It says there, honor your father and mother. That's kind of short and sweet. Why, what is that? It's probably in quotation marks in your Bible. Do you see that? Most likely, honor your father and mother is in quotation marks. It is in my version. Does anyone know what Paul is quoting there? Anyone? Ten Commandments, I heard. Yes, this is one of the Ten Commandments. This is the fifth commandment in the Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses. Uh, so, so who wrote the Ten Commandments, though? Was this something that, you know, uh, Moses went up on the mountain, you know, Mount Sinai, and he starts doodling on some rocks, and he's like, ah, oh, these sound like good commands to give. Who, who wrote the Ten Commandments? Was it Moses? No. God literally, I mean that, literally wrote the Ten Commandments. Uh, Exodus 20, God gives the, the Ten Commandments. Exodus 24, verse 12, it says this, The Lord said to Moses, Come up to up to me on the mountain and wait there 
that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandments, which I have written for their instruction. And then we see later, I had all these and I deleted them out of my notes. But over and over, it says it was written with the hand of God, written by the finger of God in verse, or chapter 31 and then 34. Uh, we see this over and over again, that God wrote the Ten Commandments. Please don't hear me wrong here, okay? All of the Bible, all of the Bible that you hold is inspired by God. That means every single command in God's Word is a command from God for you. But I do think it is worth paying special attention when God specifically writes by hand a command. And that's what Paul is drawing out here. He, said, he, he quotes this, honor your father and mother. Basically what he's saying is, just like God said, honor your father and mother. Just like God wrote on those tablets of stone, gave to Moses for the Israelites, children, or any sons and daughters, honor your father and mother. So we see very clearly that God uh, commands children to obey their parents and to do it in the Lord. By obeying their parents, they are obeying the Lord. And we see here that to honor their parents what was a direct command from God in the Ten Commandments. And so we can draw some con conclusions out of that. It is God who commands children to obey the parents. Not just parents. This isn't just your parents saying, you know what, I think we should be the ones in charge of our children. It didn't go that way. It is God, young people, who put your parents in authority over you. And it will be to God that you will ultimately be accountable for whether or not you obey your parents. That's, that's the connection you need to make. Ultimately, if I, if I am disobeying my parents, I'm, I'm disobeying God, the, the God Almighty, the God of the universe, creator, sustainer, judge. I'm disobeying him. If I am dishonoring my parents, I am dishonoring God. This is, this is, this is no laughing matter. This is serious stuff, as serious as it gets. Well, let, let's look a little bit more at those two commands to obey and to honor. You know, what exactly do they mean? You might think, I know what it is to obey. Do we? <laughs> we don't always act like it, young people. I know, um, again, I was one. To obey, specifically your parents, to obey your parents is to do what your parents say when they say it. To do what your parents say when they say it. And so, you kind of think about that. Your parents say, okay, you're, you're playing the Xbox, you're on the computer, you're watching TV, whatever. Hey, you need to go do your homework, okay? Go, go do your homework. It is disobedient to sit there for another five minutes before you get off that Xbox or stop watching that TV. That is disobedient. Even if you do eventually, um, after they, you know, continue telling you, you know, uh, even if you eventually do what they say, you need to do it when they say it. We, we, this is the same way we should obey God. If God says you do something, you do something. God says jump, you don't say, hold on, let me stretch for a while. I'm kind of feeling comfortable right now. I don't feel like jumping, God. We don't do that. And we should not do that with our parents either. Now, there is maybe a place to say, hey, I'm like right in the middle of this. Is there any way I could, I could do that in five minutes when this show is over or whatever? There, there's a place for that. And so if your parent says, yeah, sure, wait five minutes, then, then you need to do it. 
what it means to obey at that point is then to when that show is over, not when you're halfway through the next show, you go and do it. And if your parent says no, the answer is no, and you go do it right then. You, you don't finish the rest of the show. I know that sounds simple, but you know what the, the other word we use for simple is? Childish. It sounds childish, and that, that's, what, that's how I'm talking to us. We, we're childish in this state. We need to hear what true obedience is. But what about honor? This is uh, kind of a more ambiguous thing. We are commanded in the Ten Commandments to honor our father and mother. So what is it to honor? I would say that to honor your parents is to not only obey them, but to do it as you value and respect them. You're to to obey them, but to do it from the right heart attitude, to give the right body language to your parent even as you obey, and to think the right things about them in your heart. Again, I'm not saying... Uh, that your par- I'm not even calling your parents honorable, that their actions are always honorable. What I am telling you is that God had you born into your parents' family, or God had you adopted into your parents' family, or whatever, and because of that, you are commanded to honor them. It is the position of authority that you are to honor, because God has placed them there. So what does it mean to value your parents? You know, I value, I honor them. I honor them as valuable people. This means that you, you don't take for granted these people who, who are caring for you, these people who are trying to guide you and provide and protect you. It means that you don't just dismiss their rules as stupid and worthless. It means that you don't just say, ah, that's their wisdom, but that was the wisdom of the the, the 80s or, you know, whatever. We value them. Listen to some Proverbs. I'm going to give you a bunch of Proverbs today, I hope. Uh, Proverbs 15, 5 says, A fool despises his father's instruction. That's the opposite of valuing, by the way. A fool despises his father's instruction. But whoever heeds reproof is prudent, that is wise. And so do you, do you value your parents' rules and instructions and, and wisdom? Proverbs 18.2 says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. You parents are laughing inside right now, I know. A fool takes no value, no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> you know, we, we, we give, uh, you, you have advice coming from your parent, you know, and, and you might think at least, or, or even say out loud, I, I don't want to hear that. That, that that's, that's not how it is. He just doesn't know. She just doesn't know how things are. That's not to value your parents. You just want to express your own opinion. Here, Dad, let me tell you how it is, right? Let, let me tell you the way things really go. Yeah, anyways, I could keep going down that road. So respect. I, I said that to honor your parents is to value and respect them. Respect is to, to respect these people God has put in authority over you. And maybe the best way to describe this is negatively Respect is to not roll your eyes at your parents. Respect is to not stomp your feet as you, quote-unquote, obey them. Respect is to not talk back. Respect is to treat them as the authority over you that they are. Proverbs 19.26 says, 
He who does violence to his father and chases away his mother is a son who brings shame and reproach. Proverbs 23, 22, Listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. It's simple. We, we, we think it's okay to disrespect our parents. No, that is going against the fifth commandment. Honor your father and mother. What we need to do instead is Proverbs twenty three twenty five. Let your father and mother be glad. Let, he, let she who bore you rejoice. That, that's what it should be as we, we honor our parents and obey them. There's this, this sense that God has put you here over me. I'm to obey you out of reverence for God, and we carry that respect and value. And so really, you have obedience and honor, and I would say honor, honoring the, your father and mother is just taking obedience to the next level. That's, that's how I think of it. It's saying it's not enough to just obey. You have to obey with a humble and right heart right jesus did that all the time he said you have heard that it is said do not commit adultery but i say to you even if you look on a woman with lust in your heart you have committed adultery all other he said you have heard that it is said you shall not commit adultery but i say that if you are angry even angry with your brother you have committed murder you're liable to judgment. That's what it says. Actually, I said that you've committed murder. I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. This happens a lot in the Bible, that, that just this outward expression is not enough. God wants your heart, young people. God wants your heart. And that's why it's so important, by the way. I'm not preaching you a moralistic checklist. I'm preaching to you things that you need to go to God and say, help me with this. I don't have the power to do this. Forgive me for, uh, for my disobedience. Forgive me for my disrespect, dishonoring of my parents, and so you, and give me the strength to do it with a right heart. So it's, it's, I said that it's simple. All we have to do is honor and obey our parents, young people, but it's also complex in that we can't do it ourselves because it's a heart issue. Obey and honor. So our, our first point there was, right? To obey and honor your parents is to obey and honor the Lord. Young people, you will be accountable to God, to God for whether or not you obey and honor your parents. And parents, you're responsible for teaching your kids this. To, to, to tell them, uh, you don't even have the right, parents, to say, well, this is just the way I want it. We don't have the right to wield this sword uh, selfishly. We're telling our kids, hey, you need to obey me in the Lord. We're, we're, we're kind of a, a representative there for him. Anyway, parents is next week. So, let's look at the next principle. We've seen that first principle. Obeying your parents is obeying the Lord. Honoring your parents is honoring the Lord. The next principle that is a little happier, <laughs> thankfully, the, the next parents is, or the next one is, number two, if you're writing them, number two, your parents' authority is a gift from God. Your parents' authority is a gift from God. Look at with me uh, at verses 2 and 3 of Ephesians 6. It says there, Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Honor your father and mother. And this honoring of them, this, this command to honor them, actually comes with a promise attached 
to it. If you look back at the Ten Commandments, this is written there, that it may go well with you uh, and that you may live long in the land. It says that there. So there is this promise attached. And so this is really amazing, young people, okay? What, what Paul and so God is telling you here is that your parents' authority over you is not to ruin your life. Your parents' authority over you is a gift from God that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. That, that's just another way of saying that you may have a, a long and prosperous life. And I also would say in our New Testament context, this is saying that you may have eternal life. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Your parents' authority over you is a gift from God. Now, I understand, again, I'm, I'm uh, close enough to my childhood, you know, I'm, I'm recently enough out of it that I understand that it probably does not feel this way all the time. You know, uh, you say, you, God, you gave me this gift, you, you can have it back, okay? You know, <laughs> you might feel that way at times. Um, and I, I get it, we, we don't like rules, we don't like being told what to do, we don't even like getting advice, you know? And it's really hard it's really hard, I think, because you already know it all, right? That's, that's what you believe. That's, that's why you don't want your parents' rules. That's why you don't want your parents' advice. You feel like you already have life figured out. It's interesting. Because the plain fact that we'll see from Scripture, I'm going to read you a number of Proverbs here, the plain fact is that you do not have it all figured out. You do not have the capacity to, to guide your life morally or spiritually on your own. Listen, listen to this. I, I was born with it figured out. Proverbs twenty two fifteen. Folly, foolishness, folly is bound up in the heart of a child. <laughs> the next part of that verse is, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Anyways, folly is bound up in the heart of a child. <laughs> you did not come out the womb wise. You didn't. The Bible says folly is in the heart of the child. We could even look, by the way, at all the, the verses that show us you were born with a sin nature, naturally sinning against God. We're even just looking at foolishness here. Proverbs 30, uh, chapter, or verse 11 and 12 says, There are those who curse their fathers and do not bless their mothers. That's kind of what we've been talking about not to do, right? And then it goes on to explain them. There are those who are clean in their own eyes, but are not washed of their filth. <laughs> you curse your father, curse your mother. I, I, I'm clean in my own eyes. I'm doing the right thing. I'm going the right way. But he says, you, you really, you just don't realize that you're filthy. You don't realize that, that morally and spiritually you're filthy and in need of this cleaning and of this guidance. Uh, Proverbs 20, I love this one. Proverbs 20, verse 17. The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother. These are heart issues, right? That honor. The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by vultures. That's pretty intense imagery, I didn't write it. <laughs> I'm drawing this straight out of God's word. The person who, who has this heart of disrespect, dishonor for their parents, scorns their mother. It, it will be like, their life will be like, their eyes get picked out 
by ravens and eaten by vultures. Proverbs 15, 32, whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. Proverbs 18, 1, whoever isolates himself, you hearing me, teens? Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. (laughs) You want to push yourself away from your parents, not be under their authority, not be under their wisdom, not be taught by them. It says there that you, uh, you're breaking out against all sound judgment. That, that's where your life is going to go. Proverbs 15.10, again, I didn't write it. There is severe discipline for him who forsakes the way. Whoever hates reproof will die. So young people, please don't think for a second that you've got it all figured out morally or spiritually. You are literally born headed the wrong direction. You are literally born with folly bound up in your heart. This is the, we are post-Adam and Eve falling in sin, and everyone after them has been born in folly and in sin. But the good news is, I told you this was going to be a good news. The good news is you were literally born with people ready to guide you, ready to lead you out of that folly, ready to drive it out of you. You were literally born by God's grace, by God's gift, with people to keep you from destruction. God gave you parents as a gift to guide you and help you through this life while while you learn, while you mature, while you gain wisdom. This verse was read this morning, Proverbs 1, 8, and 9. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. Okay, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. What that means is kind of like the vultures plucking out the eyes. That's not really what was saying was going to happen. This isn't saying that you'll have a garland put around your neck. It, it is saying that it will beautify you. It will make you a beautiful person and it will lead you toward success. And even I would say what God truly calls success. Proverbs six twenty through 22. My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. That means don't don't let them go. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will talk with you. It means when when your parents speak, when your parents are given roles or, or wisdom, listen to them. Listen to him. Say, I need to take these into account. Hold on to them tight because they will protect you. They will guide you as you go. Uh, Proverbs 28, 26. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Again, I, I kind of told you the end of this verse earlier. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. I get it that you don't like to be disciplined by your parents. Uh, You know, you you go out of their their, uh, rules, you go out of uh, the way that they have before you, and and they, they discipline you, maybe verbally, maybe physically, maybe, you know, taking something away, just whatever. They discipline you, you don't like it, but it says that that is what drives folly far from the child. And so what I'm saying here is, 
young people, we have got to stop seeing our parents as, as killjoys, as people trying to wreck your life. You need to see your parents as a precious gift from God, as people who have been given to you literally from the womb or maybe adopted later or whatever to guide you in this life. Now, again, I know some of you most likely did not have great parents. Maybe some of you right now don't have great parents, and that, that is tragic. That's tragic. I get it. Uh, I was, again, talking with Hallie last night, and I literally have friends who um, their, their, their parents are saying, go ahead and divorce your husband. You're not happy. He's not making you happy like you hoped. Go ahead and divorce him. That's their advice to this Christian woman. I've known people who said, you know what their t- parents have said to their child, these are people that I, I could tell you their names, who've said, don't, don't bother marrying him. Y- you can do everything in marriage with, without being married. You know that, right? That's, that's what the parents are saying to their, their Christian daughter. You know what I'm saying? You can do everything. That, that's, that's their advice. I have literally known uh, Christian people who, when they would, you know, be at a get-together, a family get-together, they would be mocked by their parents for not getting drunk with them. I, I get that, that parents don't always walk God's path perfectly, but I would say God's word does not make exceptions here. It, it doesn't say, obey your parents as long as they're good people. It doesn't say, honor your father and mother as long as they're honorable people. It says, obey them and honor them. I would say you do have the caveat of if your parents are telling you to sin, you don't do it. God is your primary authority. The point of obeying your parents is to obey God, right? So you don't obey your parents if they're telling you to sin, but where, where, where you can, where it doesn't go against God's word, you obey them even if they're not good people. You honor them even if they are not honorable people. I would add this, by the way. Um, I don't see any, in the Ten Commandments, uh, where you, you look back at it, there's no time limit on when you stop honoring your father and mother. It's not just when you move out that, okay, now I can stop honoring them. Um, I, I would say with the obedience, there, there's sort of a, anyways, that that's, is more speaking to the people in the child uh, stage of life. And I'd even say obey your parents where you can. <laughs> I don't know. Show honor to them in that way. Uh, but we always honor rather than dishonor our parents, and even when we haven't had perfect parents, we still should see that God has put them in our lives to, to, to care for us, to guide us, and, and we do our best to listen to them, to obey them and honor them. I mentioned this before, but these are, are both heart attitudes. Point one was to obey and honor your parents is to obey and honor God. Point two is your parents' authority is a gift from God. So you, you should have this gratitude, this, this heart change. And that's kind of my point is these are heart attitudes. These are heart problems that, that you young people have. But the beauty is God, God gives us these commands to, to do these heart-led things. Why? Because he has made a way for our hearts to be changed. And that is through him. He is the source. Uh, He is the one who who releases us from our bondage to sin. And he is the one who gives us the power to obey. I I think about it, and it's really interesting. Uh, Jesus, the God of the universe, 
always obeyed and honored his father and mother. That's a pretty good example, right? And the beauty of that is that same Jesus who perfectly kept the law, honor your father and mother, died for you on the cross for your sins. And we know that Jesus not only takes upon himself the ways that we disobey our parents, the ways that we have dishonored our parents, he took that upon himself, he paid for that, but he also does what? He gives us his righteousness. That that means that when you stand before God, if you have trusted in Jesus, you will stand before God as one who honored and obeyed his parents. Why? Because Jesus honored and obeyed his parents, and his record is imputed to you. And I would say it doesn't stop there as just some label put on us. Jesus, in, in his resurrection, really does give us that power. The same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead is working in your heart. If you've trusted in him, it is working in your heart to turn your heart toward your father, toward your mother, in obedience and in honor. There, there's no separating this unity from the cross, this, this unity between parents and children. There's no separating it from the cross. And I, I want to push you there. I want to push you there. If, you, if you've already, you look at your life right now, you say, I as a young person, as a child, have failed miserably. The answer isn't just to try to do better next time. The answer is to go to the cross. Ask for forgiveness of those sins and to ask for the power to obey next time, to honor next time, because it, it, it will have to come from him. As we come to this communion closing, I, I was thinking, uh, what does this look like practically? What does it look like practically in our lives? And this communion table is, is for those who have accepted Christ. And so as we think about that, before you're willing, before you even should take this communion, you need to have your heart right with God, I, I would say. You need to be confessing sin. We don't walk in unrepentance, right? And so young people, I'd say as we come to this point, you need to, to look at your life, take stock of your life, and where you see your failures to honor and obey your parents, again, go to the cross. That is where you, you lay your sins. You say, I have done these things, but God, I need you to, to pay for them. And, and he has. He paid for them on the cross. But then also go there and say, God, I'm turning from those things. I'm not piling this here just so that I can go sin again and pile it again, like on on purpose. You know, God, give me the power to change. And I'm going to give you one slightly more practical thing. Young people, if you know that you have been disobedient and and, and dishonoring of your parents, you don't value them, you haven't been showing respect to them, you roll your eyes, you talk back, all these things— If you realize that and you're truly, you know, repenting to God, you're truly asking for his power, I'd say it may be appropriate, and I encourage you to apologize to your parents and tell them, I'm asking God to help me work these things out. I know that I've been rolling my eyes when you tell me what to do, but I don't want to do that anymore. I'm sorry, and and I'm turning from that. I'm asking God to help me. I think that would make a powerful statement to your parents. Oh man, I think about things. It is funny to me when when I see young people around, you know, and uh, their their parent says, "Hey, hey, you need to do something," and they talk back or say something disrespectful, and they feel like they're being cool in front of me for that, failing miserably. I can tell you that right now. You want to know the kid that is cool to me? 
is the one who, who knows what his parent wants and does it before they ask. That, honestly, that's the kid I respect. That's the kid, uh, because I see that, that God's working in their lives. They have this humility under God. It's okay to apologize to your parents and tell them you're changing. It's, we're working out our salvation together, right? And parents, on the other hand, next, next week will be far more about you, and so you'll have your time um, to feel the burn. But I would say even now, if you, if you see, I haven't been training my kids even in these principles. I've been telling them what to do, but I haven't been telling them, hey, you're ultimately really needing to obey God. The reason I am disciplining you is because I don't want you to diso- disobey God, and so I need to discipline you. If you realize that, or if you realize, you know, I've been in authority over my kids, but not for their good, right? That was number two, that it's a gift from God. If you realize your parenting is more selfish than self-giving, then I would say go to God with that. Again, God God has put you in a place of responsibility over your children to, to not only lead them in obedience, but to care for them and guide them with love. So go to God with that. Ask him for forgiveness. Ask him for power to change. And just like I told your youngsters, it may be appropriate. It may be an incredible model for you to tell your kids, I'm sorry for the ways I haven't trained you up in this. I'm sorry for the ways I've, I've even been selfish sometimes in my parenting, and, and I, I want to change things. I, I'm asking God to help me to change, and, and I want things to be, to be different. I think that's imp- appropriate, and you really should be leading in this. It really should be you that's, that's speaking before your child um, in, in this apology and telling them that you're, you're turning from that by God's grace. And so th- those are my communion applications. Do not take this cup do not eat this bread if, if you're not willing to, to repent. Uh, not, I'm not saying you have to do the thing about apologizing and stuff. That doesn't, you know, that's not required for taking communion. But if you're not going to deal with God, don't take this communion. Um, but God is good, young people. God is good. He has put a parents in authority over you, and he has done it as a precious gift. Let's pray. Father God, We see that these are heart issues that we desperately need your help in. That both as parents and children, parents and young people, sons and daughters, we need your help with our hearts. We need our our minds changed. We need our values changed. God, I pray that this would unite families. As children see their responsibility as really under you, not just their parents. That both for not only obeying, but also honoring their parents. And God, I pray for the parents in this room. As a a newer one myself, I, I understand the pressures of it. God, give us the grace to do what you've called us to do, to raise up our children in the nurture and admonition of you, Lord. Give us the grace to do it, God. I pray all this in your son's name. Amen.